You're listening to Steve Dace On Demand. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live on the Blaze on demand at CRTV. I'm Steve Day. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We're going to take your calls coming up in hour two today at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. And the question on the table, which we are asking you to discuss in our Facebook wall today as well, just look up Steve Dace on Facebook. How much do you want us to police conservative media? And we discussed this a little bit on our CRTV roundtable. This is in response to uh, Meet the Press and Chuck Todd on Sunday demanding Eric Erickson of the resurgent essentially answer and police all of conservative media, yet he isn't being asked to do that for even his own platform. I mean, we we can point out all the problems that NBC News has had in recent years. Rape Dungeons, Brian Williams rejecting Ronan Farrow's Harvey Weinstein story, and we're just scratching the surface. But on the other hand, we, we you know claim to be the people of truth, right? We claim to be uh, the, the people of logic and reason. So we have some responsibility, don't we? Where's that line? And I think really it's a question that I, I'm curious what you as our customers want. If you guys want us to just say, hey, the left is so bad, we don't have time for that right now, or um, we, we can't uh, engage in moral subjectivism, I will be fascinated to get your answers coming up next hour. 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think. I mentioned our Facebook wall. Email us, steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Coming up a little bit later on in this hour, Pop Culture Tuesday tackles the question, what should conservatives do with Halloween? We'll get into that. But first, here's what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by... On immigration, some legal scholars believe you can get rid of birthright citizenship without changing the Constitution. With an executive order. Exactly. Right. Uh, Have you thought about that? Yes. Tell me more. It was always told to me that you needed a constitutional amendment. Right. Fourth Amendment. You don't. You don't. Number one. Number one, you don't need that. Number two. I mean, that's in dispute. You could definitely that's very much in dispute. Well, you can definitely do it with an act of Congress, but now they're saying I can do it just with an executive order. Now, how ridiculous! We're the only country in the world where a person comes in, has a baby, and the baby is essentially a citizen of the United States for 85 years with all of those benefits. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it has to end. Um, have you talked about that with counsel? Yeah, I have. So we're in the process. It's here. in the process. It'll happen. That's courtesy of Axios. And now this. You know, this president, one of the things that he really launched his presidential run on is talking about Islamic radicalization. And this president has radicalized so many more people than ISIS ever did. Just a bit outside. First, we have a little house cleaning because for you, the Republican National Committee is jumping on your comments. You earlier in the show said that Donald Trump has radicalized more people than ISIS has. Uh, David and Mona uh, disagreed with you strongly. Is there something you wanted to clarify? I do want to clarify. I think I spoke in the heat of the moment. This has been a very emotional and personally painful time for me. I think I exaggerated and I apologize for that. 
Kellyanne Conway despicably today goes on national television. And she said, well, this shooter's motives were because there's an anti-religious sentiment. No, ma'am. The propaganda industry that she commands with the vile president that she serves, abetted by Mark Levin and Rush Limbaugh and Breitbart and Newsbusters and Judicial Watch and all the rest of them, have blood on their hands. What do you think of Cory Booker's, and you didn't comment on him, and you're, feel free to... Oh, I, I adore him. What do you think about him saying, kicked him in the shins, essentially, start to get to that kind of political... Well, that was Eric Holder. Yeah, Eric Holder. Oh, Eric Holder, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know they all look alike. No, they don't. Do. And now for some good news. Here's a preview of our dystopian future brought to you by China. Dear passengers, people who travel without tickets or behave disorderly or smoke in public areas will be punished according to regulations and the behavior will be recorded in the individual credit information system. To avoid any negative record of personal credit, please follow the relevant regulations and help And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. China is literally doing, or I'm sorry, China is literally doing my favorite Black Mirror episode. Uh, the one with, um, oh, Ron Howard's kid. Uh, Dallas Bryce. Dallas, Dallas, Dallas Bryce Howard, yes. And, and all of society is judged by your uh, social media credit score. It's the best episode of Black Mirror. And China is literally doing it. Guys, there's no fiction anymore, man. There I mean, is, I'm starting. I've, do you know where the real man in the high castle lives? Because yeah, I think that's real. <laughs> today, our CRTV roundtable, when I gave you guys the topic, I said, hey, we're going to debate today. It's the last week of the election, and we're going to debate what could be the dumbest last loses that turns things the final week. And you had this this foreboding look on your face. And, and you know, we've been discussing bombings, shootings, blood on the. There is no place you. I, w- I would have told you a year ago, just be careful. Yeah. Now I'm like, <laughs> exactly. It's all on the table. Wherever you want to go, as long as you're willing to own it, you're willing to own it. A couple things in the montage before I want to go to Trump's birthright citizenship executive order, which I think is major news, and I'll explain why. Um, the individual there going after all of conservative media, Stephen Schmidt, for those of you that don't know, um, you know, uh, he was John McCain's campaign manager in 2008 and likely would have been white house chief of staff if mccain had won and i remember when i didn't want to vote for mccain because i thought he was a complete total rhino and a lot of you told me that you know america would end america was gonna end if john mccain didn't win the white house and put this guy in control of uh, the west wing you know because he'd be so much different than obama i agree i think obama has a lot more class a lot more dignity and, and does their schlock a lot better than he does? Can I get a second on that? I think there's major Amen. differences between uh, the Sp- Stephen Schmidt Republicans and Barack Obama. You have blood on your hands, Steve. In fact, I'd rather have Barack Obama as my neighbor. I don't know. I can't even. I wouldn't even. Would you? Binary choice. Gun to your head. Because that's all we do now. I don't, gun to your head. Binary choices. Pick your neighbor. Stephen Schmidt Republicans or Barack or the Obama I, family. I don't need the gun. I'll bring the beer over. You know, I'll introduce yeah. myself. At the very hoops. least, March Madness would be a ton of fun hey, yeah. with the Obamas, wouldn't yeah. it? Shoot hoops, drink beer. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. The Obama, I mean, and you know, one of the Obama daughters, you know, just make sure 
they 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 stayed out of trouble, but you know, make sure they don't you know introduce your kids to little Mary Jane. Other than that, I think they'd be a lot more fun to be around than the Stephen Schmidt Republicans. I'm not even that's an instant choice. We don't even debate that one, right? That's not even a flawed binary choice. That's like an automatic. Automatic, we're in. I'd yeah. rather have the Obamas than yeah. the Schmidt family next door to me. We agree on that one. Yes. Okay. Um, Hillary Clinton, man. You know, I used to have this pet theory that Fred Phelps, the uh, uh, Westboro yeah. cult guy, and, yeah. and his you know hateful rhetoric wasn't actually um, any sort of a minister, but he was too perfect of a foil for the Rainbow Jihad. He was really a double agent. He was their Tokyo Rose. They created him so they'd have a foil. Remember, I used to have that theory for years. You've never heard that theory. Have you ever, no, I've heard it. Have yep. you heard it before, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, that was somewhat tongue-in-cheek, obviously. Okay. If I told you Hillary Clinton was on the payroll of the Republican National Committee and asked you to apply Occam's razor, could I potentially convince you that that's true? Does she... There's only two choices now, guys. She also has a form of the narcissistic personality disorder that the president has, and it just it will not permit her to stay away, even in the most self-owning uh, fashions you can imagine. She ought to just change. She ought to start a clothesline called self-own. That's what she is. No, no, that's her perfume. It's called self-own. Didn't I she have write. emails on cell phones? Oh, different. That's what that. Oh, never mind. What Sorry. what? What, you know, I'm reminded of Robin Williams' great line in Good Morning Vietnam when he was impersonating Richard Nixon, and he started talking about Nixon's manly parts. Well, they're soft, shallow, and they serve no purpose. Remember that? I great movie from, the, from our childhood. All right. What, what purpose is Hillary serving other than Breitbart's click rate? Go. There isn't one. So I ask, Mr. Occam, if you're watching... Just as I, I tongue-in-cheek believed Fred Phelps was a plant of the Rainbow Jihad to give them a foil, at this point, I believe the RNC has agreed to pay off whatever debts Hillary has from the Clinton Foundation of, of unrealized uh, transactions by losing the election because she is serving no purpose other than the click rate of conservative media. No other, no other constructive purpose on earth right now. I don't know who the moderator was or what her angle was, but it was fascinating to hear. Like she thought the way she could absolve herself was like the speed with which, no, No, they aren't. Like, where's that button? I gotta hit it. I'm in. I'm in. There's the five second dump. Yes. (laughs) I've been in that situation before where somebody said something that you know, they should not have said. And you're like, how do I, what do I do with this? No. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know who in the Sam Hill Julie Loff is. Did, have you ever heard this name before? Just not, on Monday and over the weekend. She's I, I just heard the name yesterday. Gentlemen's Quarterly. Well, I featured her tweet yesterday in the yeah. montage where she blamed the president. Right. Yeah. That was her? That was her. She's okay. Been, and she blamed Glenn Beck as well. Okay. For, for well, now she's on with Jake Tat. Why did he permit that? You know the answer to that. Yeah, there, but You know the answer there, to there's that? Just, there's just, th- that's just... It's the, it's the same side of the coin as why on the same network, uh, Brooke Baldwin, when she hears the word boob or mob, just goes, no, stop. We will not have that here. But, but I think yeah. this New Year's Eve, she'll be piercing Don Lemon's boob, probably, yeah, right? Probably. Yeah. It, that, 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 there's just, there's no place for that. That has no, 
reasoning, uh, no legitimacy on any level. And I, I guess I'll give her some credit for some semblance of an apology. But her apology, if I'm if I if I'm listening to it right, and then she reiterated it on Twitter. So to be fair, yesterday I retweeted it. Her apology is essentially, "I'm sorry, you guys suck so bad that you made me yes. uh, act out like this." It reminds me of when Dave Dace used to say, "I'm really sorry I beat you guys, but you know if you just did everything I told I told you to do, I, I, you wouldn't make me beat you like that." All of that is why I tweeted. In, you all realize that's what progressivism is that's what they think not just her progressives believe that and i i don't want to pick on on um eric erickson but he he said on um on twitter either this morning or yesterday that he's glad that jake tapper didn't step in because we need something about we need to hear these people more no no, in this context, yeah, it was, there's free speech, but in this context, this is a roundtable discussion when you're trying to give both sides a fair shot. If that is really, if that's really the the point of of you know that program, which obviously it's not, as it was proven yesterday, this just goes again to show that I think a lot of people on our side don't really they they maybe know it and they'll maybe uh, assent to the notion that we're up against people who really don't want to share a country with us. But when it comes real down to it, there's there's not an understanding of the tactics in place or the tactics that should be in place and really what you are up against when you are in the public arena with this. It's so frustrating See, to watch. What you bring up, Aaron, that's the fake binary choice. And I just got pointing it out with Brooke Baldwin, the same network just last week. It, are, what, what do you guys all view your job as the moderator is? When do you get to jump in? See, and that's play- the thing. I, I agree with, if, if, and I haven't seen Eric's tweet, but if the context, if your state, if your if your take is it's best for America to see what these people actually believe, I don't disagree Sunlight. with we that. We all agree. I agree on that. I don't disagree with that. But then I would go to your point. You're the moderator there. You know what really bothered me too about that clip is Tapper comes back to her and says the RNC is all over you for what yes. you said. Um, How about you? I, I had to stop myself. I almost said a bad word. Uh, uh, bull poo, Jake. That's your job. That's what you're going to right there. She. It's one thing to give it sun when you give sunlight to the vial. Hey, I've got. I love. I'm all for giving sunlight to the vial. But then your job is to point out the vial. But then to play it off like, well, you know, the I've I've got to be balanced. And here's what the other side thinks. You know what? When 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 I say something vile, there isn't another side. There's just that's vile. We don't go that way. This is not how what I would permit here on my panel. Thank you. And if you're not better than that, get the hell off the chick, get the hell off the seat. That's what that's what we're talking about. This isn't well the RNC Republicans pounce. That's 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 inhumane, what she said. Inhumane and vile. And I you know, you know how hard it is to lose the moral high ground to Donald Trump. Stop it, and think it's about it's clearly what, way easier than you think. I, well, man. I, you if you if you're soulless, then yes. If you're soulless, then yes. But I think I think that's if I've had you know, and I and whenever I do this, people are like, why do you always put on the disclaimer? Because it's necessary. Because I'm not a cult member like you. All right. So I, I've got a myriad of issues and problems with Trump, and we talk about them frequently. But if there's one thing. 
I am eternally grateful to his brokenness for. His brokenness has forced the Stephen Schmitz and Bill Crystals at all of the world, and now whoever, and this Julia Loft, etc. His brokenness has, has driven them to expose what people like me have been trying to tell you. There's no point putting Republicans in charge if it's people like this that are running the show. It makes no difference. That's just a sporting contest. I want my team to win. That's you're an Ohio State fan. I, I don't care how many times Courtney Smith got beat. We got to beat Michigan again this year. That that I, I'm out. I'm out. I'm totally out. All right. And I don't care. And I, you know what? If we found out tomorrow that Jim Harbaugh was hiding that Shea Patterson beat his girlfriend, uh, su- suspend them all. I, I, and you guys have worked me long enough to know. I just I don't care about. I love winning, not at this expense. And I've made plenty of professional choices that would have enriched me more that I would that I chose no so that I wouldn't become like this. Okay? So if there's one thing for all of the frustrations Trump's brokenness provides me on a daily, if not weekly basis, the one thing it has done is it's brought everybody else's brokenness out into the, uh, the sunlight and forced people to expose who they really are. And for that, you know, the law, maybe it's unintentional, but you know, that is uh, what man intend for evil, God as I would agree, God has used for good. We have been forced to see the system for what it really is. And I think we have Trump's ego, brokenness, which, you know, works against us plenty of times. But in this case, I think we have it to thank for that time. Well, I, I totally agree. Um, it's why all the time I am passionate about the degree to which um, I think uh, journalism, uh, ha- taking on journalism needs to be way more than just a punchline. Uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, did what needed to be done to uh, an outfit that is a revolutionary force in this country. It wants uh, to break all the things that are good and true and beautiful that sustain this nation for a long, long time, and that are the only things that can sustain it into the future. All right, now I want to get to the president's executive order because I'm, I'm seeing even things from people whose opinions I normally like and respect, I wholeheartedly disagree with. So um, here's the thing. The president is absolutely within his power to issue this executive order because birthright citizenship is nowhere in the Constitution. Nor has it been interpreted by the Supreme Court to be in the Constitution. Nor is it any kind of a legal statute anywhere. It's essentially just something that's just been um, accepted since we have become progressivized as a culture, as the norm. And birthright citizenship is this notion that no matter who you are or who you're, where you're from, if you come to the United States and drop a kid, that kid's an American citizen. That's not what the Constitution says, actually. Um, what the Constitution says is, is you're subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. And I would urge our audience, go research Senator Jacob Howard of Michigan. He actually wrote the text of the 14th Amendment. You can go find this all out for yourself. And he was asked uh, on Senate panels when they were debating the 14th Amendment, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments were passed essentially as a package post-Civil War. And... And one of the reasons for the, for the 14th Amendment was concerns that the South would now claim that 
slaves made free were not Americans because they weren't, they weren't American citizens, but slaves. And this was done to clarify what this actually means. And the argument was, the argument, and that's why the, the phrase subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. Did the slaves and their descendants, did they come and stay voluntarily or involuntarily, guys? Well, involuntarily, that's why they were called slaves, because they were here involuntarily, right? Meaning that we didn't have a mass migration from the Congo of Africans who just decided, you know, we're just going to squat down over the Rio Grande. And no, they were just fine in their country. We ruthlessly, wickedly went there, took them from their homelands, and brought them here against their will. So who is the initiator in the relationship to bring them here? Americans, which then means they're now under the jurisdiction. And since slavery was not moral and certainly not lawful, but it was considered by pure statute legal, that means we put them under the jurisdiction of which government? Ours. Ours. And then there was the question of Chinese laborers that were here in the mid to late 19th century, helping to build the railroad and things of that nature, often working as glorified indentured servants, which is another minor form of slavery. Okay, again, they are here, those Chinese, and so when those Chinese laborers are here and they have children, then what do we do with those children? Well, again, those Chinese laborers were here under the jurisdiction of who? The U.S. government again, okay? And so that's why since they were here, they weren't citizens, but since they were here under the jurisdiction of the U.S. government, their children were therefore granted citizenship because they were under jurisdiction of the U.S. government. Tomorrow, if the French ambassador rushes his wife to the hospital in New York City uh, and, and, or the, and, and, they, and she has a child, is that child a French or U.S. citizen, guys? French. French. Well, he was born in the U.S. Why isn't he a U.S. citizen? Everybody born here is a citizen. It's not the way it works. He's a French citizen because he's under the jurisdiction of which government? The French government. If you come into the country illegally, illegally, that means which government are you under the jurisdiction of? Not the United States. You're not under the jurisdiction of the U.S. government because you're from Honduras and you made it across the Rio Grande safely. You're still a Honduran, which means your children are from where? Honduras. Honduras. You're not under the jurisdiction of the United States. You're not. There is no statute that says you are. There is no Supreme Court opinion that, in, that says this is what the 14th Amendment means. This is just the way this, this has been applied, largely through progressivization of the Constitution. And then you had um, certain secondary statutes like Plyler versus Doe that said children of illegal aliens were, were, had, were, had to be given access to welfare state benefits and things of that nature. And so I could do an entire show on this, but we don't have time for that. But there's nothing in the—the the Constitution does not say if you, are, if you come here by any means at all and have a child, that child's an American. That's not what it says. 14th Amendment specifically says, under, mentions you have to be under the jurisdiction of the United States. And so there is no statute. There is no— so there's no interpretation of the Constitution that we have accepted from precedent from the Supreme Court to say that this is what this means 
So you're the executive branch. Now, the, 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 the root word of executive is what, gentlemen? Execute. execute. What are you executing? There's no statute. It's not, there's no constitutional authority that says this is what it means. Um, I would argue that presidents that have been acting this way all this time, they've been also breaking the law. Oh, well, that's without question. Okay. I mean, Trump is not... Trump is not doing anything lawless. We got too many judicial supremacists on the right that worship at the feet mm-hmm. of the court as well. Okay, that's their God too. But there, but if, if there's no statute commanding you to act and behave this way passed by the U.S. Congress, because as a president of the United States, you are not subject to the laws of a state legislature. Okay? If those state legislative laws come into conflict with federal law, that's what we used to call federalism. There is no federal statute that says this. There is, no, there is no federal Supreme Court interpretation of the U.S. Constitution that says this. And the guy who actually wrote the amendment said in his own testimony of record, it's, that's not what it means. So what exactly is Trump going against by signing this executive order? I would argue it's the other way around, that he's actually been breaking the law by enforcing something that's not the law all this time. And he's actually just now aligning with the law. And he's not alone. Every president before him that behaved this way also did the exact same thing. When you come here against our will, when we bring you here against your will, then we're putting you under our jurisdiction. We're assuming responsibility for you. When you come here against our will, now we kind of used to call that an invasion, an attack. But you know, those are nasty words. So we don't talk like that anymore. But when you come here against our will, you're not in the country legally. You are still from the country you're from. Pick any other nation on earth. Do not immigrate there illegally. Go across their border illegally. Well, except maybe Angela Merkel's Germany. Pick any other nation other than that. Go to Honduras, Costa Rica, Mexico. Cross their border illegally. Have a kid and say, well, my kid's now a Costa Rican. No, he's not. Because you're an American. So you're, guess what your kid is? American. Okay. At best, at best, you might be able to claim some form of a dual citizenship. At best. Okay. So I applaud what the president did today. Should have probably done this day one in office. But I applaud what he did today. If nothing else, you know, we like to say on our show, gentlemen, we're not always trying to win arguments. We're trying to do what? Stop Start them. At the very least, he has started an argument long overdue in this country. At the very least, maybe he's provoked some members of Congress to get off their keister and clarify this at the statute level. Because, you know, we don't have to sit around. I know, I know, like, almost all the writers at National Review think, think this. But we really don't have to sit around and wait for nine unelected justices to tell us what the law is. We've got 535 damn lawmakers that we elected, 100 in the Senate, 435 in the House. They're the lawmakers. If they could get off their asses right now and put out a statute and clarify what does this actually mean. So in my view, this is one of the best things the president has done since taking office. Your thoughts? Well, I agree. Um, But this goes back to uh, the beginning where you started talking about uh, those whom you disagree with. This is proof that there is no such thing as a conservative movement. 
a conservative movement, it's got to be more than words. It has to be actions. And if a Donald, a guy like Donald Trump, who may or may not even really believe this on any authentic level, may be doing this for uh, political points akin to what he did uh, to ultimately uh, win election with talking about the wall, uh, this he's still showing an ability uh, to gain traction uh, within the media to have a discussion, whether they want to or not, that nobody— uh, on the right, Republicans, conservatives have shown for a very, very long time. So even if there was a thing called a conservative movement, but they just needed the catalyst, no, there's no movement. What Steve just said is so self-evidently true if you are willing to spend five minutes of honesty looking at the background. But not only are progressives not willing to do that, the so-called conservative movement largely isn't. Yeah, I don't want to be lectured to about... The fact, Aaron, a president of the United States can't sign an executive order to stop enforcing a law that's not actually a law from the same people who read the actual text of the Second Amendment and then try to convince us that's not what it actually says or they don't care. Spare me, please. Yeah. And see, here's the deal. There's there's multiple, multiple layers to this. Um, I will posit something that the only good that's going to come out of this is what you just heard for the last five minutes from Steve. Because on this show, and maybe Daniel Horowitz's podcast from Conservative Review, that's the only place where you're going to get educated on the true meaning, the context, you know, the, the, the proper hermeneutic of the Constitution. It's the only place you're gonna, that you're going to hear it. I mean, can you, can you name another place in the entire country, in the entire media sphere, where you're going to hear that? So, one, that's the only good that's going to come out of this. Because in the future... The Democrat president, whoever that is, is going to use this exact is going to use what happened as an excuse to change the Constitution willy nilly mm-hmm. as well. There's other things uh, that go along with this. What courts are going to enforce this? I don't know, but that's a, that's a conversation for another day. You know, the, the only way to stop that is for Congress to do its job at the statute yep. level. Yep, right yep. there. Just perusing more of social media about the president, in my opinion, doing one of the most right things he's done since he uh, has taken office, going after the scam of birthright citizenship. And man, the fake news is a flowing, guys. It is. The cup runneth over. And that's not the only place you see fake news, by the way. You see it a lot when it comes to, you know, health and lifestyle choices and products. Like you, you, you hear this term uh, nowadays, superfood, all the time. You ever looked at the label? A lot of times your so-called superfood, its label is called supplemental facts. And the reason why is because it's not a real food. It's made from extracts. A lot of stuff you can't uh, you can't pronounce. Yes. Supplemental facts. Yeah. Pretty good rule of thumb is uh, digest as few things as possible made with words you can't say. <laughs> Sometimes you can't get around it. Necessity is the mother of invention. But as often as you have an opportunity to say, I don't know that I can say that word, uh, then probably don't put that in your body in general uh, without a physician's uh, suggestion. Because I can't pronounce a lot of the names of those antibiotics. But short of that, um, yeah, stay away. But with the goal of creating a real superfood specially designed to enhance your health and help you reach your full potential, a team of top physicians gathered to form Brickhouse Nutrition, and they want to introduce you to Field of Greens. It's the first real superfood. How do you know it's real? Well, when you look at the panel on Field of Greens, it doesn't say supplemental facts. 
it says nutrition facts, like all the other real foods that you buy, because it's from real food. One scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real, certified, vegan, vegetarian, and USDA organic fruits and vegetables, complete with antioxidants, which are that natural immune system booster, particularly as we head into cold and flu season you're looking for. This is a daily clean green energy that fuels your body for a healthier and happier lifestyle. For a limited time offer, visit BrickHouseSteve.com and use promo code Steve to get 15% off your first order. BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. Get that 15% off today and experience a better you as soon as tomorrow. So this is a topic I've, I, I address on an annual basis. And, and when I first got into this business and... I got converted to Christianity when I did sports talk radio. And so I was kind of out of the closet believer when I made the transition into news talk radio full-time back in uh, 2006. And I remember we were talking about uh, just having a casual conversation. What our oldest daughter, um, Anna, she was what five at the time, what she was going to wear for beggar's night, which is tonight here in Iowa. Iowa. I don't know why we trick or treat on, on beggar's night and not Halloween. And I guess it's because there was some kind of tragedy many years ago or something. Right. Except I I grew up in Michigan where we where if you went out the night before Halloween, you took your life in your own hands, like in Detroit, man, it was called devil's night. They burned the city down. So we'd always get up the next morning and find out how many abandoned buildings were burnt down in Detroit last night. So uh, this idea that it's safer the night before Halloween, where I was growing up, it was not safer the night before Halloween, <laughs> okay? But we tr- we're at a trick-or-treat tonight, and Noah has this, like, uh, aunt- the kids are 13 is the oldest age they can go after 13, and they're too old to go. That's one of the rules we have in our house. Noah has this, like, actual recreation of uh, the Spider-Man movie costume. I mean, it, it molds and bends just like the actual costume. And I thought he had saved up for it. Remember I told you guys that? And then Amy said to me, don't ask what it cost. So that, that's never good. You, for further note, reference, when you finally get married, Aaron, when she says, don't ask what it cost. You should always ask what it no, costs. No, don't ask. Todd, don't ask. <laughs> don't ask what it costs. <laughs> take that one literally. Don't always take your women literally. Like when they say, hey, yeah, we don't mind. Go out again tonight. Don't don't butt, take that literally. Does my butt look okay? big? Yeah, don't. Most of the time, do not always take be, your woman literally. Always be honest, no matter what. <laughs> but when she says, don't ask what it costs, that's the one you take literally, right, Todd? Don't ask. You don't want to know, right? Because you, the answer will upset you. It will lead to a massive fight. When she says, don't ask what it costs, don't ask, right? So, am, can I get a second on that one? That's when I go get a beer. Yeah, don't ask. <laughs> yes. Don't ask what it costs, right? So the first piece of advice I gave you was what? Go get Always go, get the biggest yep, entertainment Get all the big stuff ever. you want yeah. now when you're single because yeah. you can't ever negotiate up yep. after you're married. Right. So you need to establish what your baseline home entertainment expectation is going in, right? Get that first. You agreed with me on that one, right, Todd? You That's a good idea. Out. Okay. Next, don't ever take her literally except when she says... Don't ask what it cost. Take that very literally. Take that's your King James the, that Paul used. That's the King James that Paul used. And Jesus. That's right. When she says, don't ask what it costs. Don't ask. You don't want to know. All right. So Noah's got this Spider-Man costume that I don't want to know what it costs. And then Zoe's going out tonight with her friend Selah, and they are going as thing one, thing two. And so I just did this thing, and, and, and um, 
I'm talking about my faith on the radio a lot. And I mentioned what the kids are wearing for hollow for beggars night or, and phone lines lit up and people just done lost their minds. Like Kirsten power and, and others are just losing their minds right now on television every night. Folks just lost their minds that I was letting my kids trick or treat. And I'm listening to their arguments and stuff, you know, and, and I could, I could, I could get it if I was having them dress up, you know, like the stuff over my shoulder there or some, you know, if they were dressed up like, you know, serial killers or slasher killers or, you know, occultic, you know, symbolism. I, I can understand the reservation on that. Okay. But I'm like, so here are the, here are the, here are the issues I had with this on number one. Jesus called us to be the light of the world and on the one night of the year where every stranger in my neighborhood is going to come to my house with their kids, you want me to turn my light off? Or give out toothpaste and, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, nuts. I, I, I don't understand that. I don't Help me to understand that logic. You know, if... I, I, w- I can imagine Jesus hunkering down in a suburban basement, <laughs> waiting for the children to pass over. See what I did there? <laughs> waiting for the children to pass over. Is it safe? He's like Dustin Hoffman in The Marathon Man, looking at Laurence Olivier, the sadistic dentist. Is it safe? Is it safe? Have the, kid, have the children passed? Have you checked the children? That's another thing. I, 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 know, I never understood that. The other thing I didn't understand was a lot of you that think this way. And again, if this is a matter of conscience for you, I'm not, I've never done a show talking people into taking part in this. Have I? I've never done that. No. Okay. By golly, if you think this is of the devil and this is the Catholics going to be like, give us this whole lecture on all hollows Eve and all this other stuff. Okay. These are the arguments we're have that we have over here. (laughs) You can have them. (laughs) So, if, if I'm not going to get in the middle of your matter, I've never like been like a Halloween evangelist, you know? But yeah, what are you doing? But I, I also don't understand, so let me get this straight, because when I started doing this is when the whole war on Christmas thing was at its, is Nader or Zenith, or they, they mean the same thing? I can't even remember. Nader is low point, Zenith okay, is high point. thank you. All right. So <clears throat> when I started having these conversations when the war on Christmas was at its Zenith, man, all right, it was, you know, the, the end of the Bush years and all the Merry Christmas was all disappearing and everything Starbucks else. Starbucks is destroying Christmas. Yeah, and John Gibson was was doing the war on Christmas updates on Fox News every night. Remember those days? <laughs> I do. Yeah. And I'm like, so let me get this straight. We're upset about the secular culture taking our holy days, which is really what holiday is short for, taking our holy days and secularizing them. Let's say you're right that there's nothing redeeming about Halloween at all, and it is purely a demonic vessel of Satan. Why don't we then take what he meant for evil and use it for good? Like he wants it to be about zombies and killers and demonic spirits. How about we go find the most adorable princess costumes for our our daughters and the most uh, heroic costumes for our sons? And in the middle, in the midst, follow me now, of the darkness, we send them out as symbols of light and innocence. I'm done. I'm out. I'd rather just sit in the basement and watch Veggie Tales all night. 
I love VeggieTales, by the way, especially the Jonah episode. That's one of my all-time favorites. And the, I love the, the, the St. Nick one's really good, too. Yeah, because when we get to Christmas, and you, when you guys start sending me your meals when you, Santa Christmas, Claus and Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my annual thing about why I love St. Nick, because he literally punched, was it Arius or Marcion? One of the great heretics, he literally knocked him out, yep. punched him right in the face. Love that guy. That's, that's a jolly old elf right there. <laughs> I'm in, okay? But again, if this is a thing for you and you don't want to take part, I have, I, I'm, I'm not saying you don't have any standing for your your position. I, a few years ago, right after I got saved, some buddies of mine in our men's ministry at the church we went to at the time went out to a haunted house out of curiosity to see what was what it is our kids wanted to go to. And if they were the same, like when, with the March of Dimes, charities used to do haunted houses when we were kids, right? And you know, they were scary and stuff. I was shocked when we went to the stuff that you guys are doing in this generation. I mean, this is this isn't just, hey, let me go do something that scares uh, the date I'm with so that she'll cuddle with me. I mean, this is, I mean, I don't know how else to put it. It was just wrong. And, you know, we understood when we went to that stuff, even when I grew up as a pagan teenager, we understood this was just for fun. And then we went home, you know, I was shocked watching the teenagers today were, you know, they had the whole goth thing on. This was a subculture basically was being a part of this stuff, you know? Uh, and so again, I can understand why your if your position is I just I don't want to go anywhere near that, and you know um, if if you're somebody that came out of an occult pagan view, and you know God brought you out of that and converted you into the light, I can see why you'd also say similar to you know in your um, unregenerate life you were a drunkard. And you're you're that therefore you're hesitant about going to the sports bar with your buddies to watch a game because you're like, eh, that's kind of where I used to hang out to get my sin on, and maybe I shouldn't go back. I get all I'm trying to provide the most accommodations I can, which is why I'm not like an evangelist. You have to do this. What I don't understand though are why those of you that have taken the position that I'm trying to accommodate feel like you need to reverse evangelize people with my position. That's the part I don't understand. So to me, I think you break culture down into three criteria. What we can receive, what we must redeem, what we have to reject. I've taught this in every worldview class I've ever taught. What we can receive, what we must redeem, what we have to reject. Certain things are irredeemable. Like we don't do like Christian porn with married couples for married couples. That in and of itself is an irredeemable process, right? We can't redeem that. We agree on that. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Certain yep. things we just have to say as best we can. The, on, on the fundamentals, they're bad, and so we, we that's not something we can we can we can Jesus eyes. That's something that Jesus says flee from. Okay. So those are the things we have to reject, and then there are the things we know we must redeem. Um, you know, first and foremost to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. And one of the primary way we love our neighbors, we love ourselves is we introduce them to the savior who first loved us, right? Okay. So the things we all agree, we have to redeem. Most of us would probably have a lot of agreement on the things we have to reject, even in our current cultural state. The gray area is what we can receive. And what do I mean by what we can receive? I mean, things that may not necessarily have an explicitly Christian or theistic purpose, but are a local custom that don't cause you to 
you know, uh, blow your integrity by taking part, but also, though, help you to immerse yourself in the community, which is where you live in your mission field. Like if you move to a small town in the Midwest or the South where football is king, and on a Friday night, man, that's where everybody's at. It's Friday night lights. That's, that's probably not when to have like your men's group. Know what I'm saying? You have to understand the, the, the culture that you're serving in and recognize that's part of the local custom. And as long as, hey, the star quarterback on our team uh, beat up his girlfriend, but we're going to keep it quiet so he can play in the state championship on Friday, as long as we're not going there, there's nothing about taking part in that local custom that compromises your belief system in any way, but it does help you to develop really positive relationships with people that may give you an opportunity to share who you are and what you believe with them later on. Or they might just be fun. We're not allowed to have fun. It, it, it could just be that it's fun, guys. It just could be fun. Fun would be. Could be fun. Like I, like I, one of my favorite nights of the year is tonight. Arguing over the fact I'm going to take every single one of their Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. <laughs> Yeah, that's not an argument. That's a demand. Love wins. <laughs> Love wins. Love wins again. Yes. All right. So if you don't believe you can take part in something without compromising your belief system, I think we all agree here you shouldn't. Yep. Right? But what may for me, I you know, I gave up drinking mostly except for one or two glasses of wine a year, and I never developed a taste for beer except for like Zima lime, frou-frou stuff. I had to stop drinking because all the guys made fun of me, okay? So I never developed a taste for beer. I pretty much stopped drinking when I turned 21 because I realized I was only doing this to rebel. I didn't really care for it that much, you know? So going to the sports bar with my buddies to watch a game, I'm not really tempted to walk out of there three sheets to the wind because I'm going to drink Coke Zero with lime, right? Essentially, you want a real drinking contest. Put Stu from Glenn's show and me on a stage with a series of shot glasses and a vat of Coke Zero and say, men, go until you drop. Because I, I don't know anybody, the only person I know in conservative media that loves Coke Zero more than me, or can even come close, would be Stu. Okay? That's, I'm going to sit there and drink Coke Zero by the pitcher. That's not a temptation for me. So if it's a gray area for you, don't go. Right? Don't go. I, I just don't understand why... Some of you feel like you need to actively talk me out of this. Yeah. It, I, if, if we say, and what's implied there is if we, if we participate in this, we must participate like the pagans do. Isn't that being conformed yes. to the world? Yeah. We're not supposed to do that, guys. Yeah. I, we don't let our kids dress up. Uh, the one exception could potentially be I did let Noah go as Darth Vader a couple years ago. And the only reason I gave in, it's like, it's like when Starfleet Academy gave Kirk an accommodation for original thinking when he rigged the Kobayashi Maru, <laughs> all right? I gave in because Noah one made the argument to me that Vader is actually a symbol of redemption because it, he's the hero of Return of the Jedi when, Luke's, when, his, when Luke Skywalker, his son, cannot defeat the Emperor, and it is Vader who actually ends the reign of terror of the emperor by throwing him in to that uh, chasm at the end. And that Vader is actually an instrument of redemption. He's the hero at the end. And I 
I thought for an eight-year-old, that was yeah. a pretty impressive argument. So I gave in on that one. Yeah. Even if I didn't agree, I just was impressed. He was willing to go to that level of critical See, thinking, not mention to stand up to the old man. I liked it. Here's what you can't do, though. You can't dress up as somebody who does not like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Indeed. Because that's just unredeemable. That's no where, that's where I'm going to cross the line right there. Yes. Can I bottom line all this for you? <laughs> How many of the people who think that Halloween... Is a problem along these lines, and a lot of these people also extended it into having like a Christmas tree and doing Easter egg hunts and things like that. Mm-hmm. How many of those people said we needed to vote for Trump to save America? Ooh, that's and send you emails on a regular basis calling oh. you too vulgar. Yeah, that's yeah, that's probably the same people. You cut me deep, Shrek. You cut me deep. I'm so glad I didn't say that. <laughs> but it was said. I'm so glad it was said. We just and I didn't off say it. So many people. <laughs> yes, but it's that Babylon B headline we were going to discuss yesterday yeah. before the things came up. Uh, evangelical study confirms your sin's not as bad as everybody else's. <laughs> that's one of the, that is one of the all. That is that's my favorite email I have gotten this year, and I've gotten this like multiple times from different people. You need to tone down your language, and why don't you support President Trump more? Because he's sent from God. And I'm like, yep. you're worried about crudity and profane, and you're then turning around and asking me why I'm not uh, a shill for Donald Trump? Self-aware much? That's kind of what you're tapping into there? That's it. All right, we're going to open up the phone lines here in hour two. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. Fake news or not, we're going to poll the audience today. How much do you want us to fact check other conservative media? Hour two, coming up next. All right, we are back here with hour two live on the blaze of the Steve Day Show on demand at CRTV. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. For those of you listening on the podcast today via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you are listening to us today on the podcast and you haven't done so already, and thank you to those that have, but if you haven't done so already, please leave us one of those five-star reviews if you like our show anyway. If you don't, don't lie. But if you do, those five-star reviews, the more they pile up, the more other people notice that, and then they become new listeners as well. And same thing if you don't have time to leave a review, but you haven't clicked subscribe yet, if you could at least just do that. The more subscribers people see we have, the more they're inclined to subscribe and check us out themselves. So that's one way you can help us spread the word about our show each and every day. All right, hour two is underway. Phone lines, we're going to open them up for the very first time today. We wanted to wait a couple of weeks and kind of give the audience uh, at The Blaze who's joining us a chance to kind of get to know us a little bit, kind of our vibe. But we think after a couple of weeks now, you're you're, uh, annoyed enough. And you're ready now to push back or to take part. So phone lines are open. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. And as a thank you uh, for letting us uh, join your family here uh, and partner with CRTV and The Blaze, the first three callers that take part in our conversation today, we're going to do a listener poll. First three callers take part in it today. We're going to sign you up for a free copy of my next book, Truth Bombs, 
We'll get your information. I'll make sure you get sent a copy when the book comes out on January the 15th, all right? 888-900-3393. So this would normally be when we do fake news or not. And normally when we do fake news or not, it's in order to correct stuff like this. In on him. Breaking news, a new bombshell. One astrologer says this means the beginning of the end for President Donald Trump. The beginning of the end of the Trump presidency. Trump will resign. Trump is going to resign. Is this the tipping point? I know we've said it over and over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. This is a tipping point. And over and over. Breaking news, President Trump off the rails. It was the beginning of the end today. The beginning of the end. It reminds me a lot of the last days of Nixon. Breaking news tonight, new bombshell. This is the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The walls are closing in. The walls closing in. The walls closing in. Breaking overnight bombshell. This is a very dramatic day and I think it might be near a tipping point. Do you think this is a tipping point? This is unbelievable. This is remarkable. Have you ever seen anything like this his presidency is crippled december 1st 2017 you can mark it down this is the day that everything changed we begin with the bombshell the beginning of the end 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 in fact if this were a football game we're in the third quarter may even be the beginning of the end we begin tonight with the bombshell donald trump is in a lot of trouble trump is in trouble the president will resign another hour another bombshell this is a tipping point trump's going down this president could be impeached. I do not think the president will serve out his term. Resignation. Resignation. I don't think this president is going to serve out his term. Mr. Trump will not serve out his term. He will not serve out his term. No way. No how. Breaking news. Absolute bombshell. I think Donald Trump is in trouble. Donald Trump is not. He's done. And it's over. It's over. The wall's closing in. The wall's closing in. This is going to be the Achilles Hill. Breaking news tonight. I expect Trump to depart. This week will be the watershed week. Trump is in big trouble. Trump's in a lot of trouble. It's a sign of a terrified old man who feels the walls closing in. The walls are increasingly closing in on him. Tonight, the walls are closing in. Today changed everything. This is the beginning of the end. Today, the biggest point for the Trump administration. What a historic day. The bombshells, uh, they fell. It's entropy and it's crumbling internally. He's underwater. He feels the walls closing in. Could his testimony be a turning point? We may be at a tipping point. It's the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. Another bombshell. 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 This is a bombshell. It is a bombshell. I am beginning to resent the word bombshell. Inject that right into my veins. Mainline that now. And if you're listening to it on the podcast, I'm sure it was potent. Watching it, though, the visual. They're all so serious. Uh, it's Why so serious? Um, yeah, David Koresh called and said, can you tamp down the cultishness a little <laughs> yeah. bit? It is. So because of that, I don't even think that's an echo chamber. I don't know what to call that. I would call it what you just described. It's a cult. That is a cult, is what you're talking about. Because of this cultic mindset within the media, several decades ago, organizations like the Media Research Center were founded that have done tremendous public service, both to everyday conservatives, but also those of us who work in conservative media, by doing a lot of our show prep for us. And I will meet Brett Bozo one day, and I will have to hand him a check for all the work I have not had to do because they already did it for me. All right? So conservative media was, was created, and, and the fact-checking of liberal media was created with the expressed purpose of pushing back 
on stuff like that. And here's the thing, though. Over the last few years, and, and this goes to an ongoing conversation and maybe even a debate is a better word, an argument, has been happening on the right, or maybe we'll call it the not left, right? Because that's how we define it. There's right. the left, and then there's what's left of America. Within the not left, and even among self-identified conservatives, there has been this argument about how much we should become like the left in order to defeat them. And there's a growing chorus of those on the right, including some you know big names, who think it's perfectly okay to lie through our teeth, promote kooky conspiracy theories, and all kinds of fake news in order to combat their lying through their teeth, their kooky conspiracy theories, and all of their fake news. And this was really driven home to me over the weekend. We played the clip yesterday on the show of Eric Erickson from uh, The Resurgent, founder of Red State, on Meet the Press. And how Chuck Todd on NBC News essentially made it Eric Erickson's job as if he is the official envoy, the ambassador of what's left of America to left America. Speak for your people. Speak for your government as if it is Erickson's job to defend the in whole cloth those who identify as conservative media. But meanwhile, Chuck Todd, I'm like, I, I wouldn't even ask Chuck Todd as the political director at NBC News. I wouldn't even ask him to defend the craziness on CNN. How about 30 Rock, where he works? Where Brian Williams, proven liar, has a job. A national show. Where Ronan Farrow was told, yeah, your fact-based reporting on Harvey Weinstein's a little explosive, so we're not going there. They were going to punish him for it, man. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly right where Matt Lauer had a rape dungeon. Stop and think about if you're Chuck Todd just casually strolling to Studio G or wherever your set is, and you're walking by Matt Lauer's rape dungeon every day for 10 years, and you're like, I can't believe the crap they pull on Fox News. <laughs> think about that. Just, just stop and think. Have I had my differences with Sean Hannity? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I have. But, you know, one of the things in the Christian worldview is there's a hierarchy of values, right? There's priorities. The Ten Commandments are in order for a reason. There's a reason thou shalt not steal is not number one, but uh, only worship the one true God is number one. Because you're more or less likely to steal if you only worship the one true God. Well, you're less likely to do it if you fear God. More likely if you don't, right? They're in an order for a reason. So, you know, I'm not saying I'm comfortable with Sean Hannity doing Russia Today for Trump. But in terms of if, if you gave me a list of priorities of things that deserved my moral attention, Rape Dungeon, Sean Hannity's uh, uh, Rush, uh, Trump shilling, Rape Dungeon, Trump shilling, Rape Dungeon. Guys, I can't figure this one out. Can you help? There's a lot of gray area in there, man. I mean, it's just it's nuanced. It's a mind scramble, as they said on Weird Science when I was a kid. How would we ever know which to address first? Which should, which should get our priority level first? What Sean Hannity said tonight, 
a rape dungeon. America, you decide. Whatever Did, gets most clicks is the correct answer. Thank by you. The way. Did Matt Lauer talk on global warming this morning? <laughs> That's my sweet spot. That's how he absolved himself, right? Yes, see, I was, I was, I was groping interns in my rape dungeon, Chuck. But I'm going to make a, uh, I'm going to make a donation to some anti Second Amendment group. Yes, I'm doing you a solid tonight. The Sierra Club guys on again tonight for a full hour. Low carbon. Let it go. Footprint. We got you. We got you then. No doubt. Indeed. So you can have your paw prints all over the interns as long as you're complaining properly about your carbon footprint. That's how it works around that here is. at Thirty Rock. Apparently, it does. Right? They have their hierarchy of needs too, Steve. Ain't that the truth, brother? Okay, so we recognize all this is hypocrisy and lack of self-awareness. We get all of this. But we also agree, at least those of us on this show and involved in this partnership between CRTV and The Blaze agree. Not everybody in conservative media agrees with us. But we agree that we cannot, you know, uh, garbage times garbage is garbage. Zero times zero is zero. We're not going to become like the people we oppose to defeat them because adopting their tactics and their moral subjectivism is actually advancing where they want to take the culture. They're perfectly fine if we just, as you like to call them, Todd, they're iconoclastic deconstructionists. So they're perfectly fine if we help them deconstruct truth in the culture, even if it's from the other side of the street, because in the end, the enemy, their enemy is the truth. That's their ultimate enemy, right? Yes. Okay. But where do we, we don't want to be nattering nabobs at the same time, right? Go back. Let me take my Sean Hannity, Chuck, uh, uh, rape dungeon thing. We also don't want to be the guy that we, we can't be David Gergen with his furrowed brow on CNN. Forgetting that Matt Lauer had a rape dungeon because I just can't even with Sean Hannity's Trump shilling. We can't do the opposite either. You know what I'm saying? Where we where because there's a, there's this growing movement. This is the other way. You get on cable news mostly as a conservative nowadays, unless you're a big star, and then you just get on because they want your base. If you're not a big star, there's typically only two ways you get on. You got to represent one of the sides of Trump. You have to be willing to give Trump credit when he doesn't deserve it, and you have to be willing to critique him when he doesn't deserve it. And that's where the Anna Navarro's and Steven Schmitz and uh, uh, you know, Kirsten, well, Kirsten Powers has always been a Democrat, but uh, that's where you're seeing this these list of Republicans now who appear on cable news every night, and their job is just to be. Um, I, I'm sure as a Republican, you're very troubled by uh, tonight's uh, uh, Trump bombshell. Well, uh, yes, I, I, I am, in fact, and yeah, I mean, just uh, I mean, I didn't even roast my own coffee beans tonight. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I had to actually go through the drive up at Starbucks. I was just so perplexed by this. Right, that's their job. That's what they do. They're the furrowed brow brigade, the I can't even brigade. That's what they are. You forgot the beginning of the end. <laughs> yes. Okay, so where do we draw the line? And I think you as consumers ought to have, not the whole say. One of my radio peers at Salem Radio Network once said this. I won't mention his name because he's a great guy. We were doing a, a panel in front of all the corporate VPs at a posh hotel on the Pacific Ocean in Santa Barbara, California. And all of us that were nationally syndicated on the Salem Radio Network, every, every one of the big hosts were, were the panelists. And the audience got to ask, and the corporate VPs got to ask us questions and stuff about the issues of the day. And one of my peers said that he thought his job was to give the audience what it wants. That I'm, I'm, ne- I'm not, I'm, I, that's not my job. Hey, and he was actually being consistent in that moment because he was giving that audience what it wanted yes. here too. Yeah. If what you want is bad, or I think it is, I'm not giving it to you. 
I'll give you the business <laughs> if I think what you want is bad. But if, it, if what you want is bad for your business, I will not give you what you want. Okay, that's not my primary job. But that also doesn't mean I don't believe you shouldn't have any say. We're doing this for you. And as long as what you ask of me as a customer doesn't violate my personal ethics, then I do believe at that point my job is to do my best to give you whatever you want, right? So, because what you want may be bad. You're sinners too, just like me. Not everything I say is holy and righteous. Not everything you want me to say is holy and righteous. So as long as what you ask of me doesn't violate my moral ethic, I will do whatever I can to give you what you want. And so I, we're, we, I think we got to figure out what is the line? Do you want us to police other conservative media at all? Do you want us to be prudent situationally? And situational ethics are bad when they're the basis of your ethics. But when you're practicing prudence, you know, like say, Todd, your daughter sprains her ankle at the state cross country meet right when she's about to win the, another championship. That's not the time to run up to her and say, well, you're not going to finish in ninth place, right? You're not going to do that, right? Right. So you made a situ- you looked at the, you assessed the situation, a situation and ethically deduced that the prudent thing to do would be to come for her at this time, right? Yes. Okay. A situ- situational ethic as, an, as prudence isn't bad. As the basis for your right and wrong, that's when it becomes bad, right? That's when it's morally subjectivism. When, when it's not a practice, but it's the principle in and of itself. So here's our question to you today. How much, if at all, do you want us to police and fact check other conservative media? Because you're being fed a lot of bunk from folks wearing your uniform quite a bit. And I could sit around on Twitter all day and push back against this, and I've been tempted to, but I'm, I'm, I, I have to ask myself, what will it accomplish? Am I, and am I doing this because this ticks me off and I have a rivalry with this person, or is it serving the, the greater cause? So we're going to open up the phone lines for the rest of this hour and ask you. You know, we've done this successful pushing back on fake news from the left. How far do you want us to go to do the same thing from the right? 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. Let's begin in Ohio. And we'll go to Marshall. Marshall, you are the first official caller to our show. God bless you. We appreciate you. And go blue, brother. How are you? Hey, man. How are you? Uh, first time, long time, of course. Um, yeah, I think I think it's good that you fact check the, the, that we should fact check everybody. You know, uh, it's it's really hard because because there's so much fake news out there. And like you said in the first hour, people were. We're pushing it back, back, back against what President Trump had tried to do, uh, is doing with the executive order. And mm-hmm. uh, we just need to fact check everything. And, uh, you know, it's like it's like we were, we were struggling in our, in our church where, where there's an obvious sin problem. And uh, to me and my wife, we're really struggling with what's the right thing to do. And I think that you guys always say that Occam's razor and you just try to call balls and strikes. And I think that's what you need to try to keep doing is keep calling balls and strikes, seeing if something is, is false or it's not right. Or even if it comes with good intentions that, Hey, this is wrong because it's not the truth. Here's the truth. Mm-hmm. Line it up just like you did in the first day with what the constitution says as a, as opposed to all this progressive nonsense. that's trying to infiltrate, um, our world by and large, 
And, you know, I even see it in, in small local government where I am. I'm a member of my town council, and we get, and I get people that come in there, and they just, they just don't even, they don't even, you know, if it's something that I'm the only, I'm the only person that ever votes now. I'm the only person that says this is not right. And, mm-hmm. and it's tremendously frustrating, but I don't think that you, that you shouldn't do that just because it's frustrating. I think that, that the world needs to know the truth, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, so I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing and keep uh, fighting the good fight. All right, Marshall, thanks for the call, man. God bless. Appreciate you calling the Steve Day Show here live on the Blaze on demand on CRTV. What do you guys think of Marshall's initial take on this? Well, he's 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 clearly earnest. Uh, we all agree with him. One of the problems that instantly came to mind in that whatever calling balls and strikes is uh, the the left uh, or journalism, and I repeat myself, attempted to do that in what was a very very clever way when they started down. I believe it was the the Saint Petersburg Tribune uh, down there. They started Politifact. Yes. Uh, and uh, I'm at the point now, if you send me anything from Snopes, PolitiFact, Gateway Pundit, or InfoWars, I, I, in I, just, all, I put them all in the same can and yeah. flush it. And it was, it was huge for a while. They rebranded. Okay, well, we, it, somehow people ignored the fact that that's like what newspapers were actually designed to do. <laughs> so like, why do we need a rebranding? <laughs> um, but they cleverly knew that we were all dumb enough to buy it for at least a little while. Okay, PolitiFact, we're just going to call the balls and strikes right down the middle. Okay, and now nobody believes that anymore because they all along intended that to be brutally uh, uh, partisan, and it in fact became that. Now it's transparently, so no one pays attention to that anymore. So um, every attempt to do what you're talking about now um, falls upon the eyes and ears of a culture that is so jaded um, that not only do we have to be, you know, honest with ourselves about wanting to do it, but the how of doing it in a way that makes it abundantly clear that we have things like, I don't know, let's talk about, oh, checks and balances, things like that. Um, um, let's see, like-mind or uh, different-minded people within the newsroom that do that kind of thing. Uh, you know, those are the things, if we're not willing to do those things, uh, we can sit there and talk very vaguely uh, in our separate silos. Yeah, that would be good if we could do that. But it there's no uh, evidence, there's no fruit on the tree that we are collectively willing to do that, that we aren't going to do it in the silos of the past. It, it's, it's, it's not going to happen, and it's ultimately going to be a civil war. One has to win and one has to lose. Hmm. Let's go next. Uh, this is uh, Dewey in Georgia. Dewey, welcome to the Steve Day Show, brother. What do you think? Hey, Steve. How are you doing today, buddy? Better than I deserve. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'll have to disagree with your uh, previous caller and the fact that I believe we're in a war to save the country, period. And if we we have to go to where the battlefield is to fight, I understand you not wanting to get in the mud, but if some other people are, we got to go fight. So just leave it alone. Just don't talk about it. Because we're either going either gonna to save the country or we're not. And then guys like you and Glenn Beck, y'all can rebuild it once it's already, once we win. But we got to win first. You know what I'm saying? I do. I've, and, and I've, I've heard this argument a lot. Now, I think it's hilarious for those who have known me for longer than this last election cycle. 
that there is this notion that I'm, I am not aggressive. This is funny to me. Uh, I have been in my political um, practices as a consultant, as a recruiting, a candidate recruiter, as a messenger, messaging guy. I mean, I am ruthless. I, I mean, ruthless. Uh, you know, to me, uh, you don't attack what you're not willing to kill. And then to make sure the body's dead, reload the gun, empty the chamber again, just to make sure that that's involuntarily post-mortem twitching you're witnessing and that the, the, the vehicle's still not breathing. I, I just don't think I have to lie when I, because as a conservative, I think the truth's on my side. I'm not an, I'm not an ideologue per se it, in that I'm, I'm a conservationist. I'm looking at what's right, noble, and true, and I'm trying to conserve it. And I will go to whatever length is necessary to conserve the truth as opposed to becoming, short of becoming an enemy of it. Like, I have no problem with slinging mud. I went on, I've been on national television. I've called Barack Obama a Marxist, Hillary Clinton a rape enabler. I have no problem with that. You know, if it's true, I just don't well, think that I advance I the truth by dealing in lies. That's all. Um, well, I, I do agree that it's not my job to nitpick every single lie or every single gray area. And that's what we're trying to figure out here is, is when do we say or do something? Well, forget nitpicking. Let's just reverse what just happened recently with Brett, Ka- Brett Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. So if we have the next version um, of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg up there, uh, as part of this war, do we get to lie in all the same ways? about that person. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now, I, I'm i taking the very general nature of your argument, uh, uh, the caller's argument, into something more specific. I am not trying to put words in his mouth, but I'm just taking the general nature of the argument. Y- you can go there that uh, all, all gloves are off and that the win in the broad sense is so important that you get to take down particular individuals in ways that don't have any, necessarily any relation to the truth. And if that's the case, I, I, you know, I'm out. I'm, I'm not having any part of that. And trust me, I believe ju- jurists, for example, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, are a pox on our collective house. Uh, but I believe that they can, should, and must be taken down uh, via the truth, uh, not via lies that when the rabbits got the gun, uh, will be turned around on us and they'll blow our heads off. We, I mean, we already do this quite a bit, just not by name on the show. And, and I mean, Steve, I mean, kind of did it um, at, at the beginning of the show today in the, in the first segment talking about different people who he admires and respects on pretty much every other issue, um, just not really... Uh, not not really having the proper hermeneutic uh, of what's what the Fourteenth Amendment says. I mean, we do that type of thing all the time, just not by name. And it was the point that you made yesterday, Steve. It's you know when when defining when someone is actually getting in our lane. I think mm-hmm. is that that's the conversation that we're trying to have here. Because if you go about your day trying to call out and trying to police every single person, right? on the net not left who says something that's just utterly insane or incorrect or factually inaccurate or misleading or fill in the blank 
one, you're going to have absolutely um, no wherewithal mentally mm-hmm. to do anything other than just be angry all the time. And um, and two, uh, that's 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 actually I think that's counterproductive because if you're just calling people out all the time, when are you when you're when you're saying all the time this is not correct? When are you going to have time to actually point people to what is? That's it. It does just seem counterproductive. But I, I would say the the main thing is figuring out when is the line when somebody on our side is getting into our you know getting into our lane. In our I, I I do agree with. With Dewey talking about certain existential urgencies do not give you the convenience of lines you would prefer to have at other times in life, okay? Like, whatever you think of Steve King, I've known Steve King for years, Congressman Steve King. His son Jeff just called me over the weekend, and I'm not name-dropping. There's a reason I'm bringing this up. His son Jeff just called me over the weekend to ask if, if I had any contacts to help him promote a cause for Christian missions uh, here in my hometown. And as we're having this conversation, I see, on, I see David French of National Review on Twitter tweet out, defeat Steve King. Now, again, I, disclaimer, I like Steve and I've known him for years. There have been several times I've watched the way he has presented or messages arguments and I'd like, ah, I think we could probably say or do it better than that. But I also guarantee you I know him better than David French does. His son, who has been one of his top political operatives for years, is working on a missions uh, charity. And with, the, with all the things we have going on right now, the issues I have with Steve King and the way he approaches the areas where we have common agreement, and yet... Here's David French of National Review, and he thinks his priority is defeating Steve King. Help me. Can you guys understand that? I don't understand that. Because of this that. self-righteous morality. That I don't have it. I think that's exactly what it is. I think that's what Dewey is right about being. I sense, well, I may be putting words in Dewey's mouth, but I sense that his concern. You know, the self-righteous idea that if you don't fight back the way I want you to, then we just don't fight at all. That's why I chuckle at this idea that I'm developing this reputation for people who haven't known me for a long time as being one of these uh, do-getter types. Don't you, Todd, how long have you known me? Uh, it's been more than 15 years. I mean, how many times have you heard me say, stuff, no wasted ammo? Don't attack what you're not willing to kill. Yeah, when people come up to you and say, hey, how's uh, Steve pull your punches days going? No, that never happens. No. I just don't, th- I don't think using their tactics wins our cause. I have no problem with firebombing Dresden, okay? I have no problem with dropping, you know, A-bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. A flea flicker is aggressive, but it's not always the smartest thing. (laughs) I don't think, though, using their tactics to deconstruct civilization will help us to salvage our own. That's all. But I do agree that sometimes you're not due the luxury of certain lines you'd like to draw when the existential crisis is at hand. I agree with that.
888-900-3393. Taking your phone calls for this week's edition of Fake News or Not here on the Steve Day Show. Live on the Blaze on demand at CRTV, we're asking you, how much do you think it's now time to begin pushing back and policing fake news within conservative media? as we've done successfully for decades with the liberal media. Let's go to David in Tennessee. David, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for the call, man. What do you think? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, first of all, I just want to say I've, I've been uh, aware of your program since your last appearance on Glenn's program before the election, and I haven't missed the show. You guys do a, a tremendous job. Oh, that's I very think, kind. Uh, Thanks, really... brother. We appreciate it. <laughs> you guys, I think you really hit the sweet spot in calling out the left and the right. I think... I think what's needed more is uh, distinguishing between conservative media and Republican media, which I think is what you guys do more so than other people. Like Ben Shapiro, I love that guy, but I, I really think he gives the less, the less too much credit sometimes. And you guys, you call out their motivations a lot, a lot better, I think. But just the mm. difference between the two, Republicans and conservatives, is what I think most people, like there's the 20% that are really active on the right and the 20% really active on the left. Everybody in the middle, I don't think they understand what a big difference there is between Republican media and conservative media. That is, uh, thanks for the call, David. That's a fascinating distinction. Uh, My buddy Daniel Horowitz at Conservative Review points this out a lot, that most of what we call conservative media, uh, we don't get the Republicans to do what we want them to do because they think it's their job to provide today's Republican team GOP talking points rather than pressuring them to advance conservative policy and and our agenda. And I think that 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 is a that's a good definition of one of the things that that, that sets us apart is um, a, a friend of mine who ran one of my best buddies, which just reminds me, I got to call and thank him because he called to congratulate us on adding the blaze. And I forgot to call him back. So Bill, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, he, a buddy of mine, Bill ran for us Senate here in Iowa several years ago. And he taught me one of the most valuable political lessons that I've used throughout the course of my career. Are you running to do something or are you running to be somebody? And those are two totally different things. And it applies to conservative media. Are we pushing back on the liberal narrative in the mainstream media to be somebody or to do something? Do we want to be somebody? Do we want to be stars? Do we want to be, um, you know, um, explicit in helping and causing Republicans to win elections, winning for winning sake? Or do we want to do something? Do we have a principle an issue or slate of issues we want to advance, values we want to conserve. And I think the caller there, David in Tennessee, in terms of that distinction, speaks to that dilemma and and something you should ask all the candidates that ask for your vote. Discern, do they want to do something or be somebody? Because I don't care how conservative they are right now, if you discern they want to be somebody, when they go to Washington, they will get absolutely assimilated like that by the swamp. Because they'll be told that's how you get to where you want to go, is you got to play ball with us. Now, if they want to go, they want to go there to do stuff. They'll still be assimilated. It'll just take a little bit longer. They all will get assimilated. That's why we believe in term limits. But it'll take a hell of a lot longer. They'll be ornerier longer. Okay. Let's go back to the phones. Diane in Pennsylvania. Thanks for the phone call, Diane. You're live on the Blaze on demand at CRTV. 
thanks for taking my call. And um, I uh, just want to say one thing first. We are, by the way, Penn State. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, I, I until agree about three forty-five with- Eastern time on Saturday, Diane. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I agree with the last caller. It's similar to what I was going to say that um, there's a difference between conservative and Republican. And I appreciate that you would be prudent in what you cover. We don't have to nitpick everything, but calling out the right when they are lying is absolutely critical, and you do a great job of it. Um, I've been on The Blaze um, for years, and I'm so glad that you're on because your show blows me away. It's excellent, and I thank you for your voice. I yeah. appreciate that, and, and I'll, I'll put in a coach. I'll put in a coach to call Harbaugh. Or I'll put in a call to Coach Harbaugh because <laughs> you're so sweet in your compliments, and tell him not to tack that extra touchdown on Saturday night. All right, I'll let you guys out of there easy, okay? Yes, <laughs> thank you, Diane. Doing police, police the the heck out of them, and be ruthless when you have to be, and call out our side because it's not a side; it's the truth. The truth is what mm. we're after. Well and said, saving Diane, the excellent phone call. Appreciate it. To her, to what she just said, when I said a, a, a little while ago, I have no problem firebombing Dresden. I have no problem dropping A-bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Let me put a, a finer point on it. The reason I have no problem firebombing Dresden is because it's, it's, a, it's a stronghold of, a, of, an, of an existential enemy. One that has shown me it will not share, inhabit space with me. It wants to own me, control me, change me against my will, right? Okay. I, 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 I wouldn't firebomb, um, well, Diane just called. I wouldn't firebomb State College, okay? Because as much as I want to beat Penn State on Saturday, that's not an existential contest to me. You see what I'm trying yeah. to say? There's, there's nothing substantive really at stake that justifies this level of action. I'm fine dropping an atom bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki for the exact same reasons. They are strongholds of a civilization that has offensively let it be known it wants to control and own me and not share a planet with me and accommodate my way of life. But if we're, if we're having a debate on something that is not of an existential matter, then there's no way I can morally justify such an action. You see the, the analysis I'm trying to make here. The tactics... Are, are justified, this is right out of just war theory, the tactics are justified based on the malevolence of the threat. So, um, if we're talking, uh, these Republicans to me aren't worth this, even if we weren't having a tactical argument, they're not worth me compromising any of my integrity for because they're even the best ones. Eventually, Aaron is right, will assimilate and let me know. I, that, Someone got on my Facebook wall the other day was or this morning. I had to explain to them. I agree with you. The Republicans have not earned my vote. I, I have literally imprecatory prayed that the party would be destroyed. So something could take its place. I loathe it. And with few exceptions, I, I hate it with the heat of a thousand suns. You know, what's hotter than a thousand suns though, guys, what's hotter than that? Hell. Hell's hotter. And the other side is literally saying unleash hell. And not like in the really cool Russell Crowe gladiator way, but like in the Lord Nefarious way. 
All right. And then they're then in honor of Halloween, they're like, we're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> we're knocking on your door. We're bringing it to the we're bringing it to the home front. You can't even like say, you know what, you guys, you got California and like Lex Luthor wanted Zod to give him Australia. We'll just hand that to you. Nope. They got to move to Texas. Do you know what I'm saying? They won't just they have shown us we we will not be accommodated on any level whatsoever. So I'm in a situation now where it's not the lesser of two evils now. There is one evil that is literally saying to me, if you let me, I will end you. The other evil is saying to me, I'm just going to annoy the living hell out of you if you let me and disappoint you consistently. But for the most part, we'll kind of let you just live your life. The other guys are like, no, you can't have your life. We'll take it from you. And then we'll go on CNN and say, you're worse than ISIS. I, I don't. That's not a lesser of two evils argument to me. And how many shows have I done on the lesser of two evils over the years, Todd? 7,000? Yeah. yeah. That's not a lesser of two evils argument. That's one side has literally said, we have declared war on you. That's, we, we, have, we have declared hot war on you. And on the other side, you have this really nasty, bitter trade dispute that's gone on for decades. Meanwhile, this other country over here has said, uh, we're, we're, we're attacking you now. Well, you know, I don't have time for the trade dispute over here with these guys because they're dropping bombs, right? This is, yes. I've got a matter of self-defense here. So I, the Republicans haven't earned my vote at all. I can't stand them. I hate them. And I have no problem saying that. But the other side is literally saying, hell or else. I, I don't know what to do with that. I, 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 there's not an accommodation there. It's hell or else. I, what do I, how do I, I feel as a father, I have no obligation yeah. but to say, to, to, to stand up to that. That's what I mean when this is not remotely an aspirational election. This is a stand your ground election. You know, you're, what, what do you do when you're, when that which you love, uh, your life, uh, your sacred honor it, uh, is being threatened? Um, if, if, as she said, if the truth is our side, uh, you stand your ground for the truth. Uh, the founding fathers did. Uh, we are called to do that uh, as uh, saints uh, of the church. Uh, sometimes uh, that looks like a martyrdom. Um, I don't think, I hope it hasn't come to that point yet. And therefore, it looks like saying, um, no, over my uh, dead body, I ain't going down like that. And if you have to vote along the lines that Steve is talking to, you, you know, you... you yeah, if you have to buy yourself uh, a, a few extra moments of oxygen to see how on earth you get out of that sinking car, uh, you buy it. Yeah, if you're Winston Churchill, you don't firebomb um, Neville Chamberlain. Uh, you don't drop an A-bomb on Neville, Neville Chamberlain just because he's a quizzling, addicted, and idolizes the status quo. But you can, you can bet that when push comes to, to shove and people need somebody to look up to and lead them— um, probably going to be looking at you more than than him and you're probably not going to get thanked for that at the end of the day when things are mm-hmm. over um but that's that's just the reality of the situation i mean um you guys watched what what was the name of the uh, churchill movie last year Boy, oh was it just which was the uh, uh, fi- the fi- finest uh, la- dark, final darkest hour. darkest hour Thank yeah you. um you watch that movie i mean the way don't want to get into the weeds with the with the historical analogy, but you don't. Yeah, you don't just firebomb somebody. You don't just destroy somebody because they're quislings, um, or just because they're weak need or addicted to the status quo. Um, but 
at the same time, you got to recognize that when when it's time, when your back is against the wall, somebody's going to have to step step up that, and lead, and it's probably that, going to be you more than that guy. Let, let me. I've used a couple of WW2 analogies. Let me bring this into the here and now. There is there is no moral justification in my mind, and ultimately it's my career that I have to manage that I'm responsible for. In my mind, there is no justification for going to war and with Donald Trump and assuming all the baggage that goes along with it to defend him against uh, the failing New York Times. I don't care. Because I also know that he's obsessed with Maggie Haberman's approval. I know it from firsthand knowledge. I don't care. I don't care. I, 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 I sense I have no obligation to push back on um, whether he's got sixteen uh, percent black approval in Reuters or nineteen point five. I don't. I don't. That's a you know you know, that that's a self pleasuring circle. I, I'm I don't care. His his baggage isn't worth it to me for most of the fights he decides to pick, because most of the fights he decides to pick are on the basis of his brokenness and his baggage. It's based on ego. But now, today, he wants to go after birthright citizenship and restore the fact that we're not, we are not a nation of immigrants, guys. We're a nation of citizens. When my descendants came here from Sicily and Italy at the turn of the last century, they didn't come here to be immigrants. They came here to be Americans. We're not a nation of immigrants. We're a nation of citizens. Okay? So if he, now, if he wants to take on that fight, all right, man. I'll put up with Trump's extra junk in the trunk for that. You know what I'm saying? I'm in. Now we're fighting on something that matters. I'm not going to firebomb Dresden because I don't like the zoning law. I'm not going to firebomb Dresden because trash pickup isn't on a day that I like. I'm going to firebomb Dresden because the the government in charge of that place has said to me, if you allow us to live, you will not. See what I'm saying? Most of the fights we are asked to, Guys like Beck and I, can't speak for Glenn, but I'm just, since somebody else put us together, I'll do so. Most of the time, when people get mad at people like Glenn and I for not, quote-unquote, getting our hands dirty, it's over stupid crap. It's over ego, stuff that doesn't matter at the end of the day, that isn't worth blowing up my Thanksgiving dinner with my Democrat family members over. It's sound and fury signifying nothing. Now, if we're going to make frontal assaults, I'm in. And I don't care how many people we alienate in the process. And I'm fine. We don't, and, 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 the, and the shooting don't stop until we're out of bullets, guys. I'm all in. I'll def- if, if he, as long as he wants to fight on this birthright citizenship thing, I'll fight alongside and defend him on this as long as he's right with every last vo- syllable in my vocabulary. But most of the time, most of the things, um, you know, uh, Michael Cohen, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm Tommy Lee Jones and the fugitive. Well, here's my, here's my ballot. I, I don't care. That, that's, that's a you problem, not mine. Most of what you, of what conservative media is asked to fight and defend the president on isn't conservative and not worth the salt in our tears. And so my answer is no. Give me the stuff I care about, though, like his religious freedom orders and stuff like that. Now I'll go, I'll go on, I'll do every cable news hit and defend that stuff. I'm fine. I got into this business to have those arguments. Steve, everybody wants to know how many times he actually, you know, um, hit it with Stormy Daniels. So that, I, that, See, that's the stuff I'm not interested in defending. I, I don't care. It's indefensible. But see, that most of this is a urination contest. 
Most of this is a measuring contest, and it's really not about substantive matters. When you guys make it about substantive matters, man, you will have to call me off of them. I'm the kid in choir class that when I confronted my eighth grade bully, they had to pull me off of him and dislodge my fist from his mouth because I'd had enough because he had defiled my 1987 Michigan Rose Bowl sweatshirt I had just gotten for Christmas in the eighth grade. But he had to do something really bad like that to get me that mad. If he had just said something stupid, I just would have let it go. So if you, if you want me to, to, to uh, drop bombs, I got into this business. To quote the great prophet Eminem, I came to drop bombs. That's why I came. That's why I'm doing this. But most of what guys like me are asked to fight about aren't worthwhile fights. They're circle jerks. They're, they're, they're Trump fluffer duty. They're, they're you know, uh, push back on the fact that on their your mama joke today. I don't care about any of that. And I'm never going to care about any of that. Now, if we're going to push back on them issue-wise, and Trump is the vehicle to do that, then I'll tolerate a lot of his baggage then. Because I do recognize we are in an existential conflict. Haven't we had this conversation a lot the last few Many. days? So when he... A few so, years. See, the problem is, those of you that disagree with me on this, you think it's my job to support him. Wrong. It's his job to support me. First words of this government are what? We, the people. So if a very morally problematic man like Benjamin Franklin wants to defend my interest, I'm in with him. If somebody whose theological views I totally oppose, like Thomas Paine, want to defend my interest, I'm in. But they got to defend my interest, not ask me to defend theirs. He's a public servant, not a dictator. He's not a champion. He's an employee. He's definitely not a messiah. No, no. So when he does what I want him to do, I'm in. I want him to do stuff like this. See, my, I was not never Trump for the reasons the David Frenches of the world were. I never thought he'd actually take on some of these fights so he wasn't worth the baggage. I thought he'd sell us out right and left. When he, if he wants to take these kinds of fights on, I'll put up with a lot of... I'll, I will suddenly forget the things about him that annoy me. It, go back to the conversation I just had a few minutes ago with Steve King. I see some of his malaprompts and I just shake my head, but you know what? A lot of times when I need him on an issue that matters to me, he also fights for me. So I have to make the moral calculation at times, is this mistake or boneheaded, boneheaded ploy by Steve King worth me blowing up the good he does? You learn this when you parent kids. I've got a kid right now with a drinking problem, but my other kid uh, is failing math. What should be my priority? Kid with a drinking problem, kid failing math. You see what I'm saying? When I deal with the kid with the drinking problem, then I have time to handle the math issue. We used to call this basic discernment. We have, we, we've lost all of this with tribalism. So it, it, for me, it's really simple. When Trump does what I think we need him to do, I will go to the wall. And when he doesn't, I won't lift a cuticle. Because it's about us. Or at least it should be. Not about him. I want to thank all of you that called into the show today. Pretty good first test flight of the phone calls. Maybe we'll do you this more it. often. Yeah. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.